Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, going to bring you the latest and greatest on the 40 Acres. Talking a lot of Longhorn football. Veterans are due back on campus next week. Summer workout's going to start after that once the newcomers get rolling in. Uh, I believe June 2nd, I think, is when residence halls open, and then summer school starts right after that. Rod B., you know about all that. Hey, man, I used to love that time. You got to clear out the dorm, then you got to come so back. Weird, you got to clear out the dorm because we, we, I always stayed for summer, so I would live in the dorms during the summer. Ken Solving, I think we would live in, mm-hmm. which was good. It was That's cold. a building it was, name? Yeah, Ken, Ken Solving is over there. Damn it, where is it? Is it? Oh, man, this is it Dean Keaton is over there by Dean Keaton? Ken Solving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That communication. So there you go. So uh, it was great because we were never that close to the co-ed uh, part of the dorms because they would have us like situated on floors three, four, mm-hmm. and five in Jester. And Jester, by the way, I think when I was living there, it was like the biggest dorm in like the in like the southwestern United yeah. States. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, was, yeah. it was huge. But we were only on three, four, and five. All the football players, which so you could just they had or they had regular RA. They were mm. supposed to police Casey football players, yes, <laughs> and Leonard Davis and Sean Rogers. Yeah. You know what I mean? On floors three, four, and five. I feel so bad for those damn RAs, uh. man. I always used to give them love and like listen to them and like, all right, man, I'll do it because they would have to knock on doors and like you're a mediator. Give notices to yeah like Casey Hampton eviction you know what I mean like we'll just say hey man uh I, you know I saw some trash outside of the dorm I need you to pick up that trash you know what I mean like he'd give was, them Debo and eyes he would, yes he, they would just get straight up they would straight up punk these dudes man oh yeah and I feel so bad for them all the time anyway I digress my point being we were not close to the co-ed part of Jester so I we never and then our dining hall was separate so we were always like separate but equal like you know what I mean like it was we were literally segregated from the rest of the actual student population but in Kansas we doing a summer we weren't like I was right next door to like across the, the way from like ladies who, yeah ladies who were uh they were like roommates. It was a new world and then I was roommates with some I think me and uh Dakari Pearson were, were living together back then like in, in the consulting dorms and I didn't spend a lot of time there because I was always off campus hanging out with uh the cool kids mm-hmm. you, say, you know what I mean uh Shanahan and Sh- Shanahan and Sims because you lived never, with them never sort of. lived in the dorms like they always even though you're supposed to live in freshman Sims had a dorm room I think he also had an apartment too. Yeah, I think he had both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Only hey, why smart. Not? I want to pick this up, Rob. We were talking last week. We ended the show talking about what, and and you and I have done this probably since we started doing the show. Like, what what offense or defense that Texas has in the coming year? What will it have to resemble to make it the most successful? Like, what model yeah. should they follow based on personnel? And and we've had to talk about scheme too because we've had this deal every spring for the last decade. It seems like where you're changing schemes. Oh, we're gonna be a downhill running team. No, we want to be, and we want to be Oklahoma State and Oregon. Yeah. Now we want to be Seinfeld, be an offense about nothing. We yeah. want to be tempo, tempo, tempo. We want to be mm-hmm. pro style. We want to be spread and not spread. And we want to be Baylor and you know, whatever, Tom yeah. Herman's deal. So it's been confusing times on the 40. We're a master line. of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we ended talking about how this Texas offense needs to resemble the 2008 offense. Like that should be kind of their their blueprint, so to say. Then the confines of the Tom Herman's offense. And it's going to be a little bit different uh, because this offense, I think has better personnel at tight end. You don't have Quan Cosby and Jordan Shipley at wide receiver, but you still got pretty good receivers. And you don't have Cole McCoy. Uh, you don't have you don't have twelve pulling <laughs> the trigger. Exactly. <laughs> That's the big, right. But yeah. we got onto it because you know the addition of Trey Watson and what what type of expectations yeah. should you have for Trey Watson? Not Randy Watson, but Trey Watson. <laughs> Randy um, Watson. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you, Rod. I appreciate that. I was well, I was waiting on one of you two to drop in with that. <laughs> but anyway, so the expectations for Trey Watson, we kind of looked at Duke Catalan's numbers, Tom. 
Tom Herman's last year at Houston. We went back to 2008 and looked at Chris Obanaya's numbers. And if you can get somewhere around there, you know, uh, what, around 500 yards, maybe around five yards of carry, in the ballpark of 40 catches, that's not outrageous for Trey Watson to have that kind of. Yeah. So, and if you get that, then you're you're at the 2008 model. And this you know, this is an offense, Rob. We didn't get into this. We have got, got into it a little bit. But, you know, Herb Hand, I think, has, has brought some things to the table that are going to make this team more efficient running the football. But this is an offense where your best plan of attack is probably going to be you're going to have to throw it to open up the run. Yeah, I've talked about that, too, uh, on my show, actually. Um, I brought up, there's, let me make sure I get the stat right there, is one game this year where the Texas offense, or last year, where the Texas offense scored more than at least 30 points or more and didn't have a non-offensive touchdown. It's only one of those games. Mm, that's not good. K-State, I believe, is the only game. And then you were losing even games with non-offensive touchdowns right. like Maryland. Yeah, which is, which is <laughs> actually, which goes against almost every football statistic. Just shows how bad Statistical trend were. you've ever seen. Yeah, um, but I, I, I did that math. I was trying to look at the offense and kind of look at what worked for them last year. And I and I started breaking down the games individually. And like Matt said, most of the games, they had non-offensive touchdowns where they had an offensive outburst. And I believe the only game where they scored 30 or more points without a non-offensive touchdown was K-State. And if you remember that game, I remember us talking about it on this podcast. They they threw the ball to open up the uh, the offense for the run game. Uh, remember how many yards after catch? I believe in that game, Texas had more yards after catch in that K-State game than any other game this year in terms of their wide receiving core. Because they were they were they were throwing short, high percentage passes, which allowed uh Texas to get get these wide receivers out in space, and then they were able to do, you know, do what they do, get the yards after the catch, make moves. Lil Jordan Humphrey, I think, had a really good game. Oh, who's the other yep. Was it him pip map? Uh, I'm going to it right now, but uh, you're right, it was the Kansas State yeah. game. No I mean, non-offensive yeah. scores right there. I think it was him. Hemp Hill had double digit catches. Colin Johnson. One twenty one. Hemp Hill. Colin Johnson was seven for ninety two in that game. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think Lil Jordan Humphrey made some plays. Too. Four for sixty. Yeah. So what I noticed is most of that. Go look at it. I want to say more than half those yards that Sam Ellinger threw in that game were yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when we look at Texas being able to, and by the way, Rod, one thing I wanted to mention, I, I talked about this last year, and I, I went and kind of from when I watched U of H and, and I watched mm-hmm. uh, Tom Herman was at coaching school last year at the Texas High School Coach Association Convention, coaching school, and he was one of the featured speakers. And, you know, he, it was basically split into two hours. One hour was on culture and, you know, established culture and yeah. kind of the things they do in the program. And the other was kind of a, you go to those clinics, you got to give an X's and O's talk. And it was basically on their play-action passing series. And I noticed a lot of their checks, and we saw this more so with Shane Bouchelle than with Sam Ellinger, a lot of their checks were a quick throw to the X receiver and to the boundary. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is perfect for Sam Ellinger because if you're just looking for a high percentage throw to get your quarterback started off on the right foot, just check, boom, a little hitch to Colin Johnson. Oh. And then, look, that's where Colin Johnson, though, needs to develop because, look, at 6'6", 215, or 220, whatever you are, you got to be able to get some yards after catch. you got to be able to either get Break by that cornerback, run through him, yes, beat the first offender, account for that first offender by Great. yourself. Uh, and that throw can be very effective uh, for Texas based on what you're talking about. But I, I want to look at Sam Ellinger for a can second. Can you use that throw? Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to ask no, you this before it. you continue. Can you use that throw in like RPO form too? That throw uh, right yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. Boundary? Yeah. Actually, Ideally, lines, but I'm just yeah. I'm, no, yeah. That concept like wise, it works with yeah, the running like play off the backside. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But you know what's interesting though? You bring up the tight ends. A lot of their RPO oh, stuff. That could be, yeah. One of the first, the primary reads in that is going to be the little flare to the tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which right. we saw that in the spring game. And we saw the back out of the backfield last year with the RPO. Release, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be one of their primary reads in our RPO stuff is that little kind of flare or swing to to the tight end in the flat. And yeah. you were going to Ellinger, and while well, you said it was the K State game, I pulled up the box score and just like a great example of how different the game is now to the game that we even watched a decade ago. Like until Colt McCoy, there had never been a 300 100 game in Texas football history. Vince Young never did it. Colt McCoy was the first quarterback to have That's a 300 100. He That's had crazy. one of them ever. And then Ellinger in that game had 300 100. He had 380 in 100. And wow. Hurd had won one game against Cal because he was running Didn't all over. Did have a 300 100 game? Uh, not a 300. Not Unless, I mean, I am citing Texas's record book, which, which could be been, been wrong. wrong. I, Nathan Basher has yelled yes. at us. But I've been burned by that. That's why you cite your too. sources. Thank you, Journalism yeah. School. According to TexasSports.com, there's only been yeah. three of those games in school history, all of which in the past wow. since Colt McCoy, but that's just perfect context to the modern game. Oh, Swoop, Swoops had a game against, uh, I'm looking back at Tyrone Swoops 2014. Uh, he had a game against Iowa State 321 and 95. Ah. 
So he could have been in folklore. He could have joined this group he that Vince Young had never achieved. Cobra Koi, Sam Miller, Gendry, I heard. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think you said it's more of just the modern game. I think yeah, it's more insight on the the modern game. Man, you look at Tyrone Swoops though in 2014, just looking at his game logs. You forget that in that Oklahoma Up game, yeah, he he threw for 334. Yeah, but see, and that's why game script's so great because yeah, I notice it so much more in daily fantasy. But if you fall behind early by throwing a few interceptions and spot them a 17 to three lead, it's a lot easier to throw for 300 yards when you're trying to come from behind and the yeah. defense is. They're giving you certain things. Exactly. And so have certain it's things, funny yeah. when you see quarterbacks' production actually be most caused by their own mistakes. Yeah. If no, they Matt, dig a hole, like in, no, in Matt Stafford's in. like that, and Romo was like that to oh, a certain yeah. extent at yeah. times. Romo was his certain own. Teams. Yeah. You're like too so good that you can get them back above average when you should just be getting beat down. So here's my arms kind of like that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my deal with Sam Ellinger. Uh, when I look at, at him, and, and we we all agree, nobody's expecting him to be 2008 Colt McCoy. Now, if he is that, it would be Amazing. number one a complete surprise, and number two, we'll all be jumping for joy because it means programs finally found a quarterback. I've always said, the championship game. I've always said we. I don't know if we discussed on the show the ideal quarterback for Tom Herman. I've often said is Colt McCoy. I agree with you. On the that. ideal guy that he wants, like, and you go look at it, the quarter, the, the way a coach recruits quarterbacks or whoever he brings in for his quarterback, it'll tell you a lot about that coach and the way he thinks and what he prioritizes. If you look at the quarterbacks who Tom Herman goes after, because he doesn't necessarily go up, go after always to just the top dog. Like he right. just kind of has crushes on guys. He likes guys. He likes their skill set. Fit. Whatever. It's a fit. Whatever. Compatibility. Cole McCoy is his ideal quarterback. That's his dream quarterback. Right. Well, so you look at where Sam Ellinger is in the pecking order, though, Rod, in the Big 12. And this is a year where there's a lot of turnover quarterback position within the conference. Oklahoma State's breaking in a new quarterback. Oklahoma, it's probably going to be Kyler Murray, unless if he gets drafted high enough in baseball, which that's going to be maybe the most interesting storyline in college football to follow this summer, especially with draft right around the corner. Uh, TCU's going with Sean Robinson with Kenny Hill out. So you look at the pecking order quarterbacks in this league, and really after Will Greer, it's kind of up for grabs as to who the next guy is. And you look at Athlon's all Big 12 team. Athlon is the first that I, publication that I've seen come out with an all Big 12 team. I saw that. And they go four deep uh, at each position That's group. a lot of work. And their first team quarterback is Will Greer. Second team quarterback is Charlie Brewer from Baylor, right up the road here at Lake Travis. My mom taught him. Uh, Kyle Kemp at Iowa State, who I think is a really good quarterback. And then Sam Ellinger is the fourth team quarterback. And you might say, well, his fourth team all Big 12 is not that big a deal. But, Rod, if you get to the and, and this is all based on projections on how these guys are going to perform. That's how Athlon does it. They don't necessarily look at last year's stats and kind of just plug They'll guys project, in. What right. They're, they're trying to project. This year. So yeah, yeah, projecting yeah. a big season for, say, Bar- Baylor's passing. Game. So if you, Rod, if Sam Ellinger ends the year as a top four quarterback in the league, what do you, what what would you say happens to this offense? Um, and I think he could do that. Considering, he could be the best out, in the context yeah, of the conference. Uh, considering like quarterbacks that left the conference, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, most notably. If that is the case, then I think you're looking at a Texas team that could possibly lean closer to nine wins, possibly even ten wins, rather than a team that is trending towards seven or eight. I think I think it may mean another win. Whatever your projection, I think most people's projection is they're seven or eight win team. I'm an eight and yeah. four. I was at their seven or eight right. win team, depending on it, how much you like this team or you like what's coming back. I'm with you. I'm kind of an eight win team right now. I think I can lean toward eight and a half, which would put them around nine. If Sam Mellinger's playing really well, I mean, that could be a nine. I think Mark Schleybaugh recently said, hey, man, I think Texas is a nine or ten win team. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I think that's based on if Sam Mellinger plays well, if there's no quarterback uh, carousel happening, if all of the graduate transfers can be immediate impact players, what they expect to be, and Todd Orlando, who most people believe is the most stable force, all right, on the, the, the Texas campus right now with the Texas football program, that if he continues to, to show his defensive genius, Texas will be an eight or nine win team. Not necessarily because Texas is that good, they're trending in the right direction, but because the Big 12 quarterback, right. uh, you know, their, their, their perennial veteran quarterbacks have left, most notably Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and that's where, like, you, it's always good if, say, you know, the rest of the conference's quarterbacks aren't returning, but in the modern age, too, I'd say that right now is the time where it's the least amount of impact than it's had compared to a decade ago. A decade ago, new quarterback coming in, you weren't necessarily expecting decent product. Nowadays, you have guys come in and with just the modern offenses and freshmen right. being able to contribute. It isn't what it used to be. A decade or two decades ago, that was a huge deal. This year, maybe not as much, but still worth noting. Five of the Big 12's top six quarterbacks in passing yards per game graduated or transferred. Texas 2018 schedule, Orlando uh, will have, I think, six offenses that he'll face that lost their primary signal caller last season. So, it's good for Tyrlando, 
but that's bad for the Big 12, but it's good for Texas. Yeah. Texas has their veterans coming back. Because if you win the Big 12 and you don't lose, you're going to be in. Yeah. And then even if you do lose and you're Texas or OU and beat the other one, you still probably yeah, be in. Yeah, still got USC. I don't know what the hell USC's doing. Yeah. Um, you know, so they'll have a new quarterback. Coming. I mean, Will Greer is the standard right now coming back. In the We're like the opposite of last year where we faced all yeah. the, like, uh, quarterbacks. the best quarterbacks in the country. <laughs> and then luckily the home and home, you yeah. get that reciprocated. All right, guys, let's take a break. But when we come back, we're going to keep the conversation going, talking more about the Texas Longhorns when we come back. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. So getting back to Texas, to Matt's point a few minutes ago, (laughs) it used to be when you're breaking in a true freshman quarterback, that meant you were in complete rebuild mode. Not the case anymore because these kids are coming from systems where it's almost like, it used to be like Texas Tech used to be the kind of plug-and-play system. Just damn near everybody in the country now is plug-and-play because these kids are coming from spread offenses in high school. The verbiage might be a little bit different, but once they understand Exactly they right. this just this to us means this in your old offense. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. Conceptually, they understand what they're doing. They're spread yep. babies. We, right. I mean, we didn't know we were watching it with Colt McCoy's freshman year in 06, but that's exactly what was they're happening. Spread babies. Yep. So when when you start looking at the, at the rest of the Big Twelve, it should be understood that one of these young quarterbacks, or not not young in some cases, with the grad transfer coming from Hawaii and Oklahoma State, but one of these guys, whether it's Kyler Murray or Sean Robinson, one of these guys that's pretty unproven is going to end up being really good for their team. I agree with that. So, Especially that Lincoln Raleigh system. And, and, and you, you might look at the Big 12 and say, yeah, Sam Ellinger could really, and we might poo-poo it and say, well, the league's down a little bit, but you look at the, the TCU situation, the Oklahoma situation, those are two talented kids that were highly recruited, so you mm-hmm. figure, I mean, you're going to get, you're probably going to get something from one of them, maybe both of them, if they hit. And Rod, maybe the most intriguing quarterback situation to me in, in the Big 12 is K-State, because number one, nobody ever really knows what you're going to get from K-State until you line up whatever week exactly. you're playing K-State. You don't know yeah. who it'll be, but you know it'll be a but, pretty good production. Right. <laughs> I remember playing K-State. We just talked about that game, and, man, that quarterback, was it Delton? Was it Alex Delton. Delton. Man, he ran all up and down the field on that Orlando uh, yeah. defense. We got lucky on that. And, you know, <laughs> Skylar Thompson played really well at the yeah. end of the year, but all indications are they're going to go with Alex Delton as their guy. Really? That's that's the latest I'm hearing. And if they end up going with Alex Delton, that kind of fits more the type of guy that uh, Snyder's had success with, uh, kind of like Colin Klein yeah. type mode, Jake Waters and, and, and cats like that that were really more of the true like dual threat, dual threat type guys. guys. Yeah. So you take that into consideration and if Sam Ellinger is a top four quarterback in the league by the time it's all said and done, maybe that's not like oh well the, you know, the rest of the league was bad. No, this this league is still going to be able to, this league is still going to produce yeah, Will Grizz quality first quarterbacks. Round quarterback projected right now. Right. Kyler Murray as you pointed out. In that league and right, I'll tell you right now, NFL head coaches after watching Baker Mayfield and breaking them down, they are in love with that Lincoln Riley offense. That's mm-hmm. what they I keep say hearing, it yeah. is the most creative and innovative offense in college football right now. Yeah. And I was like shocked. I was like, damn, because I love Scott Frost's offense. I think his offense is is, is amazing. Well, Belichick Chip, was Chip so intrigued. Kelly's got an offense. We forgot Chip Kelly's still in college football now. Yeah. His offense is badass. So I was, I mean, they they I heard numerous NFL analysts say no after watching Baker Mayfield film. They are really thinking about either bringing him up, like actually calling him up, and people are considering him for a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator position. Um, and I know the Cleveland Browns are going to basically bring him up the way the Shanahan's brought up uh, Art Browse to deal with RG3 and to basically transition him. They're going to do the same thing with Lincoln Riley. But yeah, that offense apparently is, if you you could be a star in it, and apparently a lot of people think that Kyler Murray is more compatible mm-hmm. and tailor-made for it than even Baker was. But I think Baker Mayfield's the greatest uh, air raid spread quarterback that's ever played college football. And It's hard to disagree. Right? If you look at yeah. it, I mean, you can... Or high school. I'll go there, uh, too. Yeah, just the era and <laughs> just he, ever since he, he started playing football. Exactly. So he was exactly. So he was brought up. I was the there the first game at, when he at started Lake at Travis because that's kind of an air raid system too with air raid rules mm-hmm. that they run there. Then with Cliff Kingsbury, who's also a child of the air raid. Then with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, a child of the air raid, and they're pure. They're purebreds, which means they came right from Mike Leach, pretty much. Right. They, they're really close to that tree. They're all different versions of. In the Big Twelve is an air raid conference. Ain't Hogan and all those guys. Um, so uh, even TCU, I mean, Sonny Cumbie, Sonny Cumbie. So I think that Baker Mayfield has has really upped Lincoln Riley's like status. Yeah, and yeah. that's where overall. like when you heard the quotes from Mayfield's agent just talking about the Patriots' interest, and a lot of people sort of just said, "Oh, it's just an agent talking." He was like, "No," when you've heard people talk yeah. in the like back offices or the front offices and talk about those two teams, it's like that interest was so high, and it was probably because like how you said, Belichick likes to pick the brains of any great football mind, and if sure. you can streamline and get the quarterback with that type of experience that he knows has mastered that style, yeah. it's the future of Agreed. the NFL. 
NFL the next decade is going to be most similar to the past decade of college football. So that's that sort of guy that he could have, he had a Garoppolo, didn't have it, and was hoping that he could maybe get away with the Mayfield. You My know? frame of reference is limited to like coaching clinics and what I pick up from talking that's the to best other, stuff. other writers and people in the Big 12. But, you know, last year when I went to Todd Orlando's deal out at the yeah. Angelo Clinic, Lincoln Riley was up next. So I got done Ooh. with Todd Orlando and kind of the closed door session, and Lincoln Riley still had another half hour left. And his was basically how they use the running backs within their passing game. And you're watching cut-ups and watching them explain it, and you're like, man, this is this is like some sophisticated stuff that I haven't really seen. And you watch it, like how he's explaining it, and you're like, man, this is some next-level stuff right here. Exactly. And that's why people who don't know about the air raid and its roots, they used to be a stigma on it that it was so simplistic. And that's why the quarterbacks don't work in the NFL because they're not doing anything. The truth is, you ask Mike Leach, every quarterback from the Mike Leach era has a story about Mike Leach yelling at them and cussing them out right. for not taking hold of the ownership of the offense at the line of scrimmage and calling their own play. And the you know evolution I mean? of it. Exactly, because once I teach it to you, then it's your system. It ain't mine anymore. That's why all the best offensive coaches in the country right now are Mike Leach disciples. Right. Well, and that's because why he, he gave them the offense and the keys to it long ago, so now NFL teams are just starting to learn that air raid quarterbacks actually do call a lot of protections at the line of scrimmage. They do actually change the plays. It's not as simplistic as most people assume that it is. Can I give you a good example? Go ahead. When, uh, and this speaks to why Will Greer is valued as an NFL prospect now having played for Dana Holgerson. When Dana Holgerson was the OC at Oklahoma State, um, I was talking to guys in the Denton Geyer staff about Gerard Hurd. And because J.W. Walsh, uh, John yeah. Walsh's son, right. w- was, a head, was a quarterback at Oklahoma State. And, you know, this kind of, it's one of those hindsight deals I probably should have picked up on it then. They're like, Gerard couldn't play quarterback at Oklahoma State. And I said, why? There's like, there's way too much stuff in that offense to process. And they're like, Gerard just kind of a single read guy and go. Like, Gerard, they said, Gerard would be great at Baylor where it's kind of predetermined, mm-hmm. boom, roll with it. Yeah. But at Oklahoma State, your quarterback, he, he's calling out protections. He's yeah. he's doing, he, basically, quarterback does everything at the line of scrimmage. Like, he's got to call out the protection. He's got to make his checks. He's in charge of all of it yeah. at the and, line of scrimmage. And then when you talk about just the evolution in the way that just in the last, I'd say, 20 years, it's became more of a conceptual-based offensive attack across all sports instead of necessarily X's and O's or memorizing plays. You're memorizing in this situation when I see this, you know, it's sort of like how you yeah. would read keys of a receiver, yeah. that you do that to where now the offense is not reacting, or the defense isn't reacting to the offense, it's the opposite. It's what the defense gives you, and it's the same idea in basketball where you see less half-court sets, and it's just yeah. more free-flowing. More switching. So then the, switching now. And like, oh, that, that's why the same yeah. idea that you, the first quarterbacks in the air raid system maybe had not all grasped, but then now when it becomes more of a norm, babies too. and they're evolving, yeah. and now they step in it, and then they can off of every single play, well now we can add a run-pass option, or we can yeah. have a slant a and go play, off of it, yeah. and then like the idea is that each player, then it can just evolve to a level that now you aren't even running plays, and you hear sometimes coaches will be critical that, yeah, he couldn't draw anything up on the board, and it's like, well, because we aren't necessarily drawing up one option and this is our play, it's going to be while the play goes on, you could change three well, or four times having, inside of yeah, it. Having to Cam Newton, remember he was with John Gruden, and John mm-hmm. Gruden asked him, he said, give me some play verbiage, spit out a play for me, and Cam was like, don't just have yeah, plays if, like that. Really. Yeah, we don't, you know what I mean? I'm if giving, the defense shows yeah, something, defense we're going to react to us. And then we check to this, and then we have a, a option of plays, and based on what the Audible's defense is giving me, line. boom, we kill this play, kill that play, and everybody knows we're going with this, a certain play. So it is kind of what you said it's about weird. the conceptual thing. It is. I mean, what our brow said, I didn't have a playbook. I yeah. have a playbook, no. Baylor didn't know. I didn't have a playbook. Don't have to I memorize have all these things and make you Which think and not react. Yeah, so I know you're, you're right about that. I think that's why the air raid is developing. Back in its infancy, that was not mm-hmm. the case. Now, it's way more complex. It's just new ideas, and longer time goes by, new ideas become more accepted. It's like that just across all things, not just sports. So to take it back to Texas, when we look at this offense uh, with Sam Ellinger in year two, um, Rod, we didn't see much of a high percentage passing game with Sam Ellinger. No, we didn't. It felt like at times, like we probably should have. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because he he actually can be, a K-State game is a prime example. Like He can be accurate when you, he's got, he didn't have a lot of time either. He threw it 50 times. He was 30 for 50. I know he threw it that much. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we're making I a, knew, and I, he ran it twenty wow. times. I didn't know he threw it fifty. Times. He ran that it twenty. Most pass attempts in a in a game, right? I, I, I'll venture out be. on a limb and okay. say that's the most plays wow. by a quarterback. Fifty pass attempts, twenty rushes. Okay, so there that's you go. all usage. See, I didn't know that. That's but Westbrook. That, he was our Westbrook, basically, of the, an offense taking those, it all. Those stats match the eye test we just discussed. That they yeah. were using the pass, to open the door. So wait, he was going deep a lot of times. They actually used play action too on early downs in that case that game. Something else I remember from watching that game. And I bet a lot I, of RPOs yeah. are this exactly. He can throw um, or I'll go back and find my notes from that game because I keep 
all my notes from the game. He and threw it. Those, but. Four, Sam Ellinger's high pass attempts, 50 against K-State, was go. it? Uh, he threw it 40 times against SC, 47 against Texas It was Tech. overtime. That was an o- yeah, it was overtime. So K-State was 30, overtime. And so was USC, right? So. 39 against Oklahoma, 36 yeah. against Oklahoma State. You threw it did Texas have more overtime though. games this past year than like the whole Mac Brown era? Yes. Probably. I would say, I think so. I do believe that is the case. Yeah, because there was like the, there was one that I remember. But I think you got to work with what Tom Herman's about to do is kind of work with the the talent that he has this year because obviously still not the ideal personnel for your pro spread offense right. as he calls it but you're getting closer look at the tight end position you'll have running backs that are playmakers soon that can kind of uh, you know guys that can be game changers who can disrupt the space time continuum you need a guy like, you don't have a guy like that right now I right. just got you know Jags back there nothing against them but they can move the chains they can't change the game Keontae Ingram from what I heard is a game changer so you're getting guys and then your wide receiver position right now I don't know how you can't take you got freaks out there man Colin Johnson's a freak and matchup nightmare so is John Burt and DuVernay because of their track speed right you know what I mean and little Jordan Humphrey is probably the best of the bunch as an overall skill set as a wide receiver yeah. so I agree with you that's why you got to open up the, the offense with the passing game first because that's your strength get the ball in those guys hands those are the guys who the defense should be afraid of who they are afraid of right. I can tell you that right now which they, they ain't afraid of the running game which just mm-hmm. it, it I'm short-circuiting somewhere because I'm thinking back to last year and they threw the ball a lot, but some of those were throwaways, and there was pressure, and, and you taking all the, all taking into consideration all the factors. Yeah. But I go back to what the knock on Tim Beck was as an offensive coordinator, right? From talking to people from his time in Nebraska and his yeah. time at Ohio State, and the, the the one kind of common thread was, and I think it was somebody in Nebraska that told me that, yeah. that hey, if he had his Tim Beck had his druthers, he would throw the ball every play. Yeah. Well, you've got an offensive coordinator who a play caller who likes throwing the football. With a quarterback who needs, and even Bouchelle is better. Like the numbers suggest, and the analytics suggest, yes. when it's a high percentage, quick West passing Coast game. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, short, yeah, right. He is better, which no would question. also benefit Ellinger. Gets him in a rhythm, yeah. and, and you've got this bevy of receivers, which were clearly your strength offensively last year. And still this year. Why didn't it work the way it probably should have? Like, why was the passing game lacking? Like, where where was the disconnect? I would say number one, because uh, obviously there was a problem with the receivers because they made it. Right, so, yeah. number one, we know there was something there, and I always said that the, uh, you, you had, I mean, it's crazy how multi-layered it is, right? So, we, Texas didn't have a great offensive line. So, Shane and Sam are both running for their lives. What was our biggest complaint about the wide receivers last year? They, they awful in scramble drill situations. That was mine, yeah. drill. Couldn't reset the play once the play had broken down. And they it seemed like they, still aren't great. Did you watch the spring game? Yeah, they still weren't great at it. And no. I, in the spring game, you really don't even have a need to do it that often, but my point is, Sam Ellinger, that's what he's going to do 50% of the time. Right. Like, that's going to be Sam's passing. He's going to drop back. He's going to break down. And he's going to start roaming. You know what I mean? Go and back then, and look, look at the final drive against USC. The final regulation drive. Armani who are the Foreman. two? Bi- who are the two receivers? Who are the two most important guys on that drive? Lil Jordan Humphrey yeah. and Amani Foreman. Two guys who are clearly the your best. two best scramble drill wide receivers. No question about it. And Lil Jordan Humphrey is right now the best scramble drill wide receiver. But the fact that you don't have Colin Johnson trained as to where to go and put his six six frame <laughs> right? mm. in between the defensive back and you know and the football, you know that's something that he should be trained to do. He should be a night on a scramble drill. It's going to happen a lot. So I think that hurt that hurt Texas' ability yeah. to make plays down the field. But also chemistry. Let's be honest. You got to, I mean, quarterbacks, in, they end up finding, they have tendencies too with guys they like. They figure out, oh, this guy's going to be mm-hmm. here on this route. Oh, Armonte running that six route. He's money. Watch me get, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like they, they know, oh, on the deep ball, I already know how this guy's going to fade. He's going to fade it here. I got to make sure I, I throw it out there to John Burke. How many deep throws they miss in the spring game? Yeah. Deep ball. You know what I mean? Like Early guys, on a couple. Like, damn, man. How, how you overthrow a track star? I go for John Burt, right? <laughs> exactly. So I think a lot of it is chemistry. You you gain that when you are the guy and you're working with the same players over and over again. That hasn't happened with Texas because we're still in a quarterback competition. Yeah. So is this, is this just as simple as being able to? And we talked about it. Whether it's whatever Tom Herman tells us publicly doesn't really matter in terms of who his starters. No. But if it's Sam Ellinger, I think you got to make that decision pretty early in camp that he's your guy. Yeah, you want to get some chemistry, man. You yeah. Get some chemistry between those wide receivers and their quarterback. And right now, that's one thing they did not have last. No. They just didn't. That's why. It, they haven't honestly not last year. They haven't had that for like the last three or four since years. Chipley since Chipley left. No, since John Harris. John oh yeah, Harris oddly, and, and oddly was John Soops. Harrison was a Tyrone. Tyrone Soops. Soops. They had a thing going on. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. And you can never explain that wide receiver quarterback chemistry. You cannot. It is yeah. so. It is so random. Like who the hell thought John Harris and Tyrone Soups would have it going on? Yeah. It's not like that I think I think David crazy. David Ashton, Mike Davis did for a little David bit. David Ashton, Ashton Mike, healthy, you know yeah. You kind of just kind of you get a groove with somebody, man. It's just like meeting somebody. It's like, hey, man, we hit it off, man. That guy, we cool. We think alike. Or whatever. 
whatever. It's like chemistry. Mm-hmm. It is actually something you cannot quantify. So we don't even know who Sam Miller has chemistry with. We should know that. We should know like, oh, we know Coach was going to Jordan when times got tough. Yep. We just knew it. It was like, hey, he's going to he's going to Shipley. Yeah, he likes Quan, but he's going to Shipley when times get tough. And I think you know the one I mean? he like, went to the most and had the one of the best catch rates is probably not on the team anymore in Hemphill. But yeah, yeah and then yeah, LJ yeah, that's like that's about that, but you're right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a big that's something we don't talk about because you can't really quantify. But that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. That's why you got to name that quarterback as soon as possible when you know. If you don't know, that's fine. Right. But when you know, and I think all of this is really a part of. Matter of fact, I just read an article uh, where they mentioned two four seven sports. How many five star quarterbacks have they had in the last oh, nine gosh, years? I need to pull. This I think it's up, like fifteen. Uh, Chris Hummer did this article. I, know. I, I got hold on. I got up. the stat. I got the stat because I took a screenshot of it because I was like, it was. I what think, the I hell? think Chris was, did it from two thousand ten to two thousand seventeen. And nationally yeah. or Big Twelve, um, there have been five quarterbacks from two thousand fifteen and two thousand seventeen that have now transferred. Oh yeah, Hunter uh, Johnson is the latest. Jacob Eason, Shea Patterson, Malik Henry, Blake Barnett. Yeah, of the Tyler si- Mary, Jared Stidham. Of the sixteen five-star quarterbacks in the composite to earn a five-star rating since two thousand ten. Hunter Johnson from Clemson was the tenth that's transferred. That's a ton. Wow. Hold up. Give me that again. Sixteen. Since two thousand ten. Wow. Sixteen yeah, five-star quarterbacks, according to the composite, ten have transferred. Yeah. Uh, this is more from Chris's article, and this is actually on my Twitter feed. Yeah, it's uh, a anybody great article. Anybody listening to this wants to go get it. Yeah, uh, really at Jeff Howe two four seven. It's on my uh, it's on my Twitter timeline. Uh, Chris writes: These are the best of the best coming out of high school at football's most important position. But sixty two point five percent of them have transferred away from their initial school at one point or another in their career. So well, we're and doing, it's only so, going to so, see that it, go up. And, and, and think about this. So it's almost one of those things. It's like more money, more problems, right? I want the problems that people with money have. Oh man, I'm being taxed too damn much. Yep. I'm being taxed on my millions. Well, I would love to be taxed on my millions. You know what I mean? I want that problem. When you're a blue blood football program, mm-hmm. this is a problem you want to have. Yeah. I got too many damn five-star quarterbacks. Well, I guess one of y'all going to have to go. You know yep. what I mean? Like, you want to be Alabama where Tua's in there and yeah. then you got Jalen Hurts in there. Georgia, you bring in your freshman backup yeah, and he's right? better. Georgia's dealing with that. So what happens is it's a cycle, right? You're either going to benefit from it or you're it's going to it's going to hurt your program. Hopefully, you start cycling them in and out to the point where in Texas is going to get there too. I think Tom Herman's trying to avoid this is my whole point. Where, hey, like Oklahoma, yeah, we lost one guy, but we got another one. Mm-hmm. You know, we got two, as a matter of fact. We got Kyler Murray, we got Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we lost Trevor Knight. Yep. You know what I mean? That's how it's going to happen. You're going to lose a guy. Texas was like that at one point. Exactly, but you didn't, didn't make sure you're bringing in somebody, too, so you can never stop recruiting quarterbacks, man. Nope. And for Tom Herman, I think this is what he's doing. He sees, Tom Herman's really smart. He's smarter than all of us. He sees this trend. So basically, there's a 50, at least a 50% chance that your quarterback, whoever they are, I don't give a damn if they are a four star or three star, they're going to transfer. And I mean, the stats now say that. Like, there's a 50% chance. Like, whoever steps on campus to play quarterback at your institution will transfer. That doesn't include the injury rate. That doesn't include the bust rate. That doesn't include the guy that switches positions. So think about what the actual success rate of a quarterback actually is now in college football for an institution. It's got to be around, you got a 30 to 25% success rate, and maybe 40% at best. You but know what I mean? There's Hell, still look at the Sam good Ellinger. side. He's great. But he, he, may, he can't even make it through half the year because he got hurt. You know what I mean? Like, that's the that's how tough it is for back. So never stop recruiting them. They're like socks and underwear. You can never have too many. And hell yeah, I support Tom Herman. I wouldn't name a starting quarterback publicly, publicly, until I had to because I want to keep Week Shane Bouchelle on that line as long as possible till he can't transfer. And I know, yeah, you screw over a young man potentially when you do that. But Shane Bouchelle, you got to see the writing on the wall. The kid from, uh, the kid that transferred from Clemson did. They got the mm-hmm. number one quarterback in the country coming. He wasn't no scrub. He was He's a five-star quarterback. But he's like, you know what? I got a senior in front of me. Last year when that senior who was a junior and got hurt, they put another quarterback in and not me, and they got the number one quarterback in the country coming. You know what? Writing on the wall. Peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's up to Shane to see that writing on the wall. You're behind the curtain, young man. If you see it and they're not going to give you a shot, a fair shot in your opinion, or if they're going to go with Sam and that's it, then you have all the rights to transfer. He may not want to transfer. He may be comfortable here. He may not feel like Sam can make it through a year and he can beat out Sam. All of that is fair. My point is, as Tom Herman, you can't worry about that. You yeah. got to stockpile him, keep bringing him in. That's why he's got four in there now. He's going to recruit another quarterback next year because he knows one of those four quarterbacks in that room right now is transferring. Yeah, and, and I mean, even Guaranteed. if, say, he yeah. doesn't, Bouchelle doesn't want to transfer, he still may have to because of the modern culture that it is. And it's cool to see in this past decade, basically, like post Russell Wilson, there's an emerging whole new market for quarterbacks that now, exactly right. if your quarterback isn't good, you can go out and the grad transfer is already there, but then you can already go and sort of put your eyes out because you just recruited this 
this kid a year ago. Yep. And now he's not happy. Yep. And he has a relationship with these guys. And you can get these kids. So it's only going to cause it, the numbers to go up. You're going to only have more transfers Definitely. because you still have an opportunity somewhere else. Somebody else. You can go take advantage of that if you have a void. And now you can make your decision about your quarterback. You don't have to worry about four-year windows. You don't got it that first two years. We ain't got time for that. I'm going to get fired if I don't fire you. So I got to go find another one. Goes full circle to what Jeff said at the beginning of the show about plug-in play kind mm-hmm. of formulas now in college football. These quarterbacks know, I can go somewhere and have immediate success because of the systems, and they're looking at success stories like Baker Mayfield that take you all the way to the number one overall pick. Those right. success stories, Cam Newton's those success stories of transfers, these guys aren't scared of that marketing. And then if you look at the grades, I mean, I remember hearing it first when it was Garrett Gilbert transferring out and how fast he graduated in less than <laughs> but in less than three years yeah. now, too, that, that you can have that grad transfer, and I just had two co- cousins co- graduate college, one of which is barely 21 after three years because nowadays you have so much of this dual credit in high school that these kids come in and you can transfer even earlier because you can be a grad transfer and only be a football sophomore going into your junior year the way that I mean what yeah Garrett Gilbert played one game of his third year and then he was out Mm -hmm. and he did that as a grad transfer so it can just be even quicker these days all right guys let's take a time out but when we come back we're going to talk about the Texas offense in 2018 we're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. Here's something I want to and I want to close the show talking about this. When we talk about Sam Ellinger and, and Rod, you mentioned the plug and play, and we talked about it's not uncommon to see freshmen step in and, and play yeah, big days. roles. And I know everybody's tired of seeing that around here because Texas got to get out of the habit of playing true freshman quarterback because you don't have anything else. But maybe this is just me, like my off-season brain. I'm already at the point where I'm fried and I'm ready for like something to substance, and yeah. I maybe just I'm reading into it too yeah. much. But every time Tom Herman's asked about quarterbacks, he goes out of his way to mention Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson. He does. And, Rod, you talked about the perfect kind of quarterback Tom Herman wants. I look at Cameron Rising's skill set, and I think, you know, this kid has what people would describe as a prototypical arm. Uh, You know, he can fling it at 6'4", 230-plus pounds, so you Mm -hmm. can run the quarterback powers he can hold up. And and, and Tom Herman has it publicly. Now, privately could be totally different, but publicly he's maintained that, hey, two young kids have an uphill – it's an uphill battle for them to to win the job, but they're still going to be given a chance to go compete. Yeah. Am I crazy thinking that oh, there's an outside chance that maybe, just maybe, as much as we're talking about Sam Ellinger, that maybe the best quarterback for this team and the best quarterback for this offense right now and the best quarterback for the future of this program, what if it's Cameron Rising? That'd be good news. Um, What if it is? And I say that That'd now be because awesome. You've had three if he, guys that if he plays, you're not playing because it's like, man, we don't have anybody else. You've got two guys that have some skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. He'd play because he's the best one. That'd exactly. Be, you're awesome in a position right now to where if he's your guy, you're making him the guy because you're like, hey, he's the best we got. You just he, made He's better, transfer, probably. he's better than these you two just, guys. So, wouldn't you rather redshirt him if you knew he was the guy rather than him play right away? <sighs> that's a that's a tough because deal. That's a gamble on his in cr- Texas. Tom's time. It is. It's like, well, I think I think we all agree Tom's safer than Charlie was. So Tom will get sure. five where Charlie only got three. Even okay, if he's so then, a, then a, a in that case, fire. then yes. Uh, but wouldn't you rather case. redshirt him because that guarantees you your Colt McCoy or your Vince Young if you see it in this guy and you've seen it before because those are the Unless most transcendent quarterbacks in Texas football history. And if he leaves early, great. That means he's that damn good. But you only if he get leaves two early, years. go to the league. True, true, true. If he leaves early, go to the league. That's a you know what? That's a more money, more problem situation. But point being, that's a problem I want to have. I want to have a problem where oh man, he might this be good enough. No, 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 to go get drafted top five in the league. Let's think logically about this up. though. You know what I mean, so logically, I'm just saying, Chris Sims, if he redshirts, he's a better quarterback. We all agree. Yeah. Okay. So ideally, you would like to redshirt those guys that puts you out of the cycle of bringing guys in and having them play right away because you've been in quarterback hell so long. And so I, I'm gonna say if you know that's the guy you right now focus on the two guys that are going to play right away and I would focus on redshirting that kid because right now all you're doing is mucking up the quarterback situation you make him if he ends up becoming the starter and I'm not saying that he, if he's the best quarterback out there period then he's the starting there he's not go. the best quarterback out there he's not if he was we'd know that by now right you know what I mean yeah. that would have come out he's not the best quarterback out there uh so my point and it's is, hard for, it's hard to imagine it, that happening in this two months leading exactly, up to camp. exactly right. so even if at training camp he's getting close to their level you're like damn man no, he's, you're right about he's that. pretty close to Shane and, and Sam already I would I would redshirt him. Yeah, because there's no upside there if it's the same. Yeah, because they're close, and that means next year he's going to surpass both of them, and then that's when I'll make that kind of Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Right now it's too much risk and less benefit. Your last year on the 40, you were on the practice field with a young Vince Young who redshirted. Yeah, I remember that. Is that kind of where you're thinking, where you look at him and everybody knows, but you're really investing in the future? We know. But, you know I mean? You don't want to – listen, you just came off a quarterback controversy. It's kind of similar, too, if you're Mac. All right? 
you bring in the best quarterback in the state, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, mm. and everybody's expecting big things from him. But, hell, you still got, you know, Sims there. And I think at the time it's well, Matt Chance, Chance Mock, Norco, or both Matt there. Matt Norgan. Yeah, so you got – yeah, exactly. You got you got some guys there. But, you know, looking at the – just the rate of development, holy Chicago, if this kid gets, like, even close to the level of these guys, he's going to surpass them like that mm-hmm. because he's got way more potential. He's got way – his ceiling is way higher. Definitely so, wasn't a spread yeah, baby, though. Exactly. Then. Exactly. So there was a long learning curve. It was people. a longer learning. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I would, I would want to redshirt some of those quarterbacks. Because I remember seeing Vince Young and going, "All right, well, damn, I wish he was a freshman when I was a freshman, so <laughs> I could be with him as a quarterback." And I had a damn good one. I you had, had five, Sims. I had a five-star quarterback <laughs> right. who was damn good for Top us. National. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who thought about transferring? <laughs> Which all five-star quarterbacks mm-hmm. are going to think about doing at one yeah. point. And as major, I'm sure he thought about it at one point. Um. So yeah, I would, I would try. You, you, you got four quarterbacks in the quarterback room for the first time since when? 2012, I believe it was. I think 2012, so, yeah. 2011, and 2006, I believe, Somewhere is, are DJ the years Kenny, yeah. where you have four quarter the last three and years I'll, you've had four GJ quarterbacks. And, and that's because why? What happens in 2006? And well, John Charles, you lost yeah. Vince Young. So, you know what? I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Let's load up the quarterback room. 2011 and 12, what happened? Garrett Gilbert, that the he who shall not be named happened. So it's like, I don't know who's going to be hmm. starting the quarterback. Hmm. Let's bring in as many quarterbacks as possible. And right now, I think Tom Herman is kind of thinking what you're thinking. I don't know who the hell is going to be the quarterback of the future for Texas. So I'm just piling quarterbacks in Numbers. that room until one of them separates themselves from the pack, and then we'll make the decision. That's I think a process. That's so it's kind of survival of the fittest right now. So I agree with you. I think the quarterback of the future, although we're living in the present, we're dealing with Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle, and if somebody's going to transfer and, and whether Sam, Sam can take to the next level, the quarterback of the future may be among Casey Thompson and Cameron Rodgers. Yeah, and, and, yeah he is, me, and then you have the president, and yeah, if one yeah. of those happens to take over the president, that's only good. Let me, pre- let me say this, too, because I think people might get it twisted. Because I think there's a tendency of Texas fans to – it, it happened with Shane Bouchelle, and it's happening right now with Sam Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Where you look at the guy as a freshman, he struggles. Like, this guy sucks. Next, who's next? Let's get the next guy in here. That guy's a bum. That's that's not what this is. But you're Tom Herman. Decade. Tom Herman's at a point, Rod, where I think I'm not saying he, it, it would make or break his tenure depending on which way he went. But it, it's it's a situation I don't envy him being in because yeah. if it, it, and we're going on the hypothetical that Cameron Rising is that good. Cameron Rising might not ever play a meaningful down Matt to Texas. Norco. Yeah, he might be Nordco. Which, by the way, Nordco is a rare breed, total like package, the rare breed man. for the you top quarterback in the package. state. You got transfer? No, I'm good. I'm good. Good, I'm going to hang out. And he wasn't a trust fund baby, but Norco comes from money, so it wasn't a big deal to him. And he loved Austin, like loved the nightlife and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't Anybody that's seen his reality show could probably tell. He he wasn't trying to compete with Sim. Like, he didn't care. And and all those guys and Chance Mark and Vince He knew knew where he was. He did a better (laughs) self-evaluation than any other coach could have ever done on him. He always was like, I'm good. I'm good. No, you don't want to do that, man. Did you see me run the ball against Baylor? I'm going out tonight, right after practice. I'm going straight to 6th Street. Yeah. That's where I'm the like, total package. And he and he was. I would say Nordco, man, Orco closed on man. He he used to have he used to text multiple women to I hope you don't mind me telling them a the story, but don't he tell probably, He had a dating he show text, with multiple women. This was public. He would text like eight girls to meet him at same the same place. place. Like just inviting disaster. <laughs> because he, he wants would, them fighting. Yeah, yes, he would like invite <laughs> them to this reality show like bro. He was ahead of his it, time. It, it, it man. Like he was the bachelor and all these women were coming to the for him, and it was the craziest thing, but it would work every time. He would leave with like three of them, and they were like, "Oh, they what are they going to do? What yeah. the? Which he, ones he, worked?" He, he would. He was. He was. That's why he was classic. That's why he was. So Norco was clearly uh, ahead he was of his time. Deal. Yeah, he was. And and a rare breed, and we don't see guys like Norco anymore. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just want to restate. Sorry. I'm not stating this. You know, we're going off the uh, off the premise that uh, Cameron Rising is is the guy for the future. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But if you're Tom Herman, you're at that point in your tenure where it it could go it could go a number of different ways. If you right. decide to stick with the two vets as you said Rod and redshirt the young kid well what if you have another six and six year yeah then you're kind of loading up the pressure for year three right. um or what if you decide to throw him in throw the young kid in and it doesn't work and then you've got another mm. true freshman quarterback that eh, i don't know yeah. how this kid's gonna recover psychologically and everything he got beat up a little bit Roll so the dice. yeah it's it's, it's a, a risk it, and it goes back to whether you're talking about recruiting player development in college the draft or player development in the nfl man until you put the ball down and a guy gets behind center and the bright lights are on. You have no idea. Nobody knows. Everybody's taking... Uh, Tom Herman doesn't yeah. know any different from me. They know any different from Rod. They know yeah. any different than the guy sitting up in the nosebleed seat. Yeah, you got a theory that you may have a higher success rate than another person, but we're all taking educated guesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with you. On, when quarterback actually... At that, at that position. Yeah, at that position, it's even more so. There are some other positions where you can project a little bit better, but quarterback, nobody has any idea. Go look at the stories like Russell Wilson. you get to see Wilson. a decision. Yeah. Go look at the Dak Prescott's of the world. I mean, it's 
shows you over and over again. The, league, Josh, the NFL did it again in the draft with Josh Allen. Yeah, hey, he could throw he 70 throw yards on his knee. But mm. can he play football? Mm. I'm not well, sure. I don't know. <laughs> then <laughs> why are you spinning a yeah. top it's 10 it. pick on him? There you go. Upside, but then baby. the NFL decides to think outside the box with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. You know, a, a kind of an undersized quarterback from a system that's not really popular in the NFL for producing franchise quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, former walk-on, so didn't even get a scholarship. Twice. So, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So the, the NFL, <laughs> they're changing slowly but surely, but, yeah, there's still some of those ignoramuses out there who drafted Josh Allen that high. So the bottom line is, I mean, I think we can all see a scenario where it works with Sam Ellinger. I, I think it oh, does. Yeah. I think my only my only concern with Sam Ellinger, and I wish I was some wood I could knock on around here. I don't know. It's as close as I can get it's to his it. own uh, himself. My, it is, yes, it's Bam Bam Sam. Like, can you be a smarter runner? Because you're not going to make it through an entire college football season to make it to the college football playoff, which and then to make it the championship, which ends up being, what is it, 14, 15 games or something? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to make it that far the way you play. you got to be a smarter runner. you got to run like Vince Young, run like Russell Wilson, be able to get skinny when you need to, quit trying to run over DBs. It's not worth it. I need you for the long haul. Right. That's my number one concern with him. And number two, and I think he'll clean this up because he's just a freshman. He's being careless with the football, but I think he'll clean that up too. No yeah, question. and basically those two things, you basically have to tell Sam, we know you love Texas football, but you can't play like you love Texas football. Don't play because like, you're not Bevo. He, Don't play like you're Bevo. But yeah, because yeah. he's running his head through a wall like he's playing with that passion and then he's trying to force things in. He wants to carry his hometown team and the team he's grown up loving. That we love it. I can see that idea of your emotion and sometimes emotion can be channeled in the right directions, but it also can be when you're dealing with aggression in a position that you may not want him to be that exactly. aggressive that it can at times be a fault of his. And then the other thing. And that's why before, Shane is so important. That's yeah. why Shane is invaluable. Yes. Right. Because of Bam Bam Sam. You need an insurance policy behind Bam Bam Sam. Shane is that insurance and policy. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying Tom Herman did anything deceitful, but I've got to imagine part of not declaring a starter is you got to keep Shane Bouchelle around. You got to make sure he's there. You need him. Because Sam Ellinger's one play away from not being the guy anymore. And well, that, there's yep, no, exactly no deceit right. there. It's like that's just what seems the best way to. His goal is to have the best football team. And, right, and, and vice versa. You get the it, best it, football it cuts, team. it cuts both ways, too. Because if you decide Bouchelle's the guy, you're like, okay, yeah, he's we, he's been proven he's one play away from being also, really ineffective. Yep. Very true. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, you need both of these. So it, that whole scenario of, well, if you, don't, if you got two, you don't have one. No, you need two. Yes, Texas nowadays does. you do. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, actually, nowadays you do. Look at Alabama. Look at Georgia in the national title game. Look at yeah, the Super Bowl. Need you need two. And someone's going to get a Super Bowl. Somebody's going to somebody's gonna leave. Somebody's going to get that? hurt. That position. That position overall, not just the person that is the best at playing that position in your team, but that position overall now has become so important that you need, to, you need depth. Like, you need talented depth there at any elite level. All right. It is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that. We come back as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horn247.com. Remember the first time you sat in the car you're sitting in right now? Oh, you two were in love. You miss that feeling, don't you? Just go to Carfax.com now to search millions of used cars and fall in love all over again. Because only Carfax gives you a free Carfax report with every search. And it's easy to see all the best deals. Don't miss out on your deal. Start your used car search now at Carfax.com. Welcome to Geico's Motorcycle Meanderings. Oh man, this is great. I sure saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. Scored some big savings and now I can use their mobile app 24-7 for all sorts of stuff. Life just makes sense now. What doesn't make sense is if a highway splits, it's a fork in the road. Then wouldn't the long straight stretch be a knife in the road? And then wouldn't a cul-de-sac be a spoon in the road? What would a spork be? Geico Motorcycle. Savings that make sense. What do you hear? Most people just hear an engine. We hear a 6.2-liter Hemi V8 with a supercharger that accelerates so fast, it'll suck the air out of your lungs and knock you back in your seat like you're an astronaut in a rocket ship hurtling through the stratosphere. But then again, we're not most people. We're the brotherhood of muscle. Dodge. Domestic. Not domesticated. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Readings based on a 2018 survey of 1,600 U.S. singles. 
I'm Grant Langston, the CEO of eHarmony. If you're online dating and looking for love, you're probably tired of the lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and matches that never turn into dates. If that's you, it's time to try eHarmony. Dating apps of one kind or another have been around a long time, but at the end of the day, they're just virtual bars where no one ever buys you a drink. eHarmony's different. We're built to help you have a better relationship. In fact, our matching algorithm is based on 35 years of research and experience. That's why we're the number one trusted dating site and have the highest quality matches. We're really good at bringing compatible people together. People who want the same things as you and are ready for a real relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready for a meaningful relationship, there's one app built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Go to eHarmony.com today and get a free month included when you buy a three-month plan. Use code MEAT. eHarmony.com, code MEAT. Hey, you want that car in front of you, don't you? Or what about that one over there? That, my friend, is Car Envy. And all you need to do is say, show me the Carfax. And you can find great deals at Carfax.com because now you can search millions of used car listings anytime, anywhere. Plus, get a free Carfax report with every search. Don't miss out on your deal. Start your used car search now at Carfax.com. Hey, spring turn. What are you up to? Hey, Paul, showing you the unrivaled iPhone X, and you know what I can do with it? Uh, no, what? I can unlock it with my face. They call it Face ID. Check it out. Wow, uh, do you have to make that face when you unlock it? No, but it's way more fun this way. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Get the unrivaled iPhone X now for just $20 a month. That's 50% off from Sprint. Visit a Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. Requires 18-month leases for well-qualified customers. Early termination results in remaining balance due. Excludes tax credit applied within two bills. iPhone 10, 64 gigabyte, $20 a month after 2167 a month credit. Coverage and offer not everywhere subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Restrictions apply. What is it, Linda? I think we should see other people. Are you breaking up with me on a roller coaster? Well, we do have a lot of fun. Maybe we should stay together. An emotional roller coaster? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to Geico. I just need a little me time. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 1049 The Horn, hornfm.com. Worldwide on the Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Famous blood. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, tune in, all the podcast apps out there, and get all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24 seven family i'm jeff out thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode you've been listening to longhorn blitz with horns 24 7.com remember for the latest longhorn news 20